I'm Emma. Welcome to This Podcast Doesn't Exist. <laughs> the most... It felt, it felt right. The most calm. The most cozy woot woot. Like you should be cloaked in a fuzzy blanket and watching the snow fall from a cabin window. Oh, I sincerely hope that it actually snows on Christmas. Yeah. I really... <laughs> no, sorry. I was like, I don't because I have work the next day. But I don't. We decided to close. So I actually don't have work at all this week. Yay! That's kind of exciting. Well, yeah. Maybe. But Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy Christmas to everyone who celebrates. We hope you're staying safe and celebrating and connecting with loved ones as best you can. We know this year Christmas probably doesn't look the way that it usually does, but we hope you're enjoying it nonetheless. Yeah. We had a Zoom... So Ralph's parents, um, every year for the past 35 years, have had a Christmas caroling party. Um, And of course, this year it was canceled. Um, And so his eldest brother decided, let's try and figure out a way to, you know, get as many people on Zoom that we can so that they can, like, watch the tree lighting because they light the uh, candles on the Christmas tree very safely. Yes. Always the fire extinguisher. My father-in-law likes to say, if people are standing around, to make sure they put their firewalls up. He's a computer programmer. Apparently, <laughs> that's funny. Um, but uh, in any case, he Chris pulled it off, and we had a lot of people on the Zoom, and they all got to see the tree lighting. And was, was everyone really on mute for the most part? Um, okay, good. Yeah, was people trying to sing together on. No, Zoom? no, no. There was no singing. Uh, Literally, my worst. It was right actually now. very sweet because every year when they light the tree, they read the piece of scripture that is the description of uh, Jesus being born and the whole scene, the whole nativity scene. Mm-hmm. And usually, it's read by um, Ralph's younger sister, but this year it was read by our niece. Oh, and it made me cry. Of course it did. But it was very cute because <laughs> her dad had to turn off had to turn off the the video on Zoom so that she would actually read it because she didn't want to read it in front of everybody. And Aww. she mumbled the first few sentences and then she got like more confident and it was it was so sweet. She did really good and it made me cry. I was sobbing. <laughs> Ralph was like, "Are you okay?" I was like, "No, she's no, so good." <laughs> I'm not. That's so that's very sweet. We hope that you're having those kinds of uh, yes. wonderful, lovely activities. Or that you're listening to this perhaps a few days after Christmas because you are, have been in a sugar cookie coma <laughs> all day today. That's my when goal. It comes <laughs> Who knows? Alrighty. So next up, just to kind of preface this episode, I'm going to have us read uh, some text messages that were exchanged in the past couple days between Emma and I, if that works with you, Emma. I'm good. I'm ready. Okay. I, was, I, was, I was told to open the phone. <laughs> yes. I prepare my actors as best I can. All right. And go. Oh, Okay. <laughs> So I sent Shannon, is your episode Christmas related? I'm trying to see if I want to make my New Year's related because my next episode will come out next Friday, which is New Year's. Not specifically, but it's winter adjacent. Okay, then I may do another disappearance. (laughs) Thumbs up emoji. Lol. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Mine is a bit of a bummer. (laughs) With an uplifting ending, though. I said... Do you want me to continue? Yeah. 
I said, lol, it's okay, that's kind of our brand. And then that's, thank you, Emma. You're thank welcome. You for the, <laughs> I figured that's you where you wanted me to end. For Masterpiece Theater. I. The rest of it is gifts. <laughs> and then my notes say, obligatory, put it on the merch mention, but then that would be kind of per- confusing if our merch said, that's kind of our brand. <laughs> like, <laughs> how meta. I really like that. Well, I can someone start a document of all the times we say, put it on the merch? Hey, Ralph. Ralph, can you add it to your spreadsheet, please? Thank yes. you. Ralph is Ralph is very good with his data, regardless of the fact that he's actually a farmer. You so. know, multifaceted humans. Really. I mean, his crops are on a grid, and so are his numbers. <laughs> I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need you to leave. <laughs> I'm so proud of that. <laughs> Get out. Okay, but don't. Okay. That would be really weird. It would, it would just be, be me talking weird. to myself. Yeah. For. 45 minutes, which well, we don't have to get into. <laughs> okay, but anyway, it's Christmas or shortly after Christmas if you're listening to this later. But um, as you know, typically I travel up to New Jersey to spend Christmas with my dad's side of the family. Yes. And there's lots of them. Shout out to any of y'all who are listening. This year, obviously, was not planning to travel because of COVID. Um, but unfortunately... Uh, there's, there was a death in our family earlier this week, or last week at the yeah. time of recording, um, and so we are taking the trip up. Uh, at this point, when you hear this, we'll already be home, uh, but everyone's wearing masks, we're keeping distance, and I'm getting a test when I get home. Christmas Eve, COVID test, <laughs> whoop, whoop. Um, but the point of all that to say is that I want to tell you that I chose today's topic as a small way, uh, sort of, to, to honor my Aunt Fran, um, who passed. <laughs> and first of all, just on the topic of Christmas, my Aunt Fran was a photographer. So many photo albums in her house, every family event, um, even people who are not in our family know that she is the <laughs> photographer. Um, and I just remember when I was a kid, she had this series of very clever Christmas cards where, first of all, she always has had this beautiful tree decorated in her front window. <laughs> and I remember there was one year the photo was just of the tree in, in her living room. And the caption was like, where's Fran? And then oh, the no. next year it was like, I'm back or something. Like, I don't remember the exact details, but it was just very clever and like cute (laughs) um and fun Uh, but one thing that stands out in my memory distinctly again no context so family please tell me what I'm missing but she has this Christmas wreath that has a pair of white ice skates on it and she just loved that wreath I believe (laughs) because she had an interest in figure skating so today I'm talking about a topic that's figure skating related and therefore winter adjacent, as promised. Okay. We got there. So the topic of today's flight is Sabina Flight 548. There's a lot of sources that are in the show notes. I was telling Emma before we started recording that I was getting kind of lost in the sources because I, I was so interested in all of the details. I've tried to slim it down for you all, so hopefully... You'll get it. If you're interested, the sources are there for you to dive into. From what I can tell, though, there's only one podcast episode, at least on Apple Podcasts, that's about this topic, which I found interesting. 
I started listening, but then I didn't want it to sway my own delivery of the facts and, and stuff, so I stopped. I'm going to finish listening to it uh, later. <laughs> After. Uh, but it's a podcast called All Bad Things. Oh my gosh! Which I, we should be friends! <laughs> we should, truly. Their, their intro is very hilarious and uh, very on-brand. We're in a similar lane. Oh, great. Um, I'm so excited. New fr- yes. new potential friends that have maybe. no clue about who we are. No, maybe we'll, we'll send them an episode or a DM or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. All right. But now, Emma, we're going to go back in time. <laughs> and the year is 1961. Oh, so we're not that far away. All right. Um, just to give you some, to remind you some things that happened. Okay. President Dwight D. Eisenhower has severed diplomatic relations with Cuba. Oh. The Portland spy ring, which is of Soviet origin. Spies! Is discovered in London. JFK is sworn in as the 35th president of the United States. <laughs> Disney's 101 Dalmatians is released in theaters. Oh, I love that! <laughs> The Beatles perform for the first time at the Cavern Club. And all of this is just in January and early February. Whoa, jeez. Yeah. Wikipedia is wild. They give you so many things. Big shout out to Wikipedia for this. I cite them three different times uh, in my notes. Donate to them if you can. Yes. Because they're very helpful. So, January 25th through 29th, 1961. The U.S. Figure Skating Championships are held in Colorado Springs. And the results of this championship will determine who makes the U.S. team to travel to the 1961 World Championships. Right? So it's like the pre-event. This was also the first time in history that the event was televised, which is pretty cool. We have some videos coming up later. They're in the show notes, but Emma gets to watch them. I'm so excited. Um... So, several of the top American figure skaters, such as Carol Heiss and David Jenkins, had retired from professional uh, figure skating after the 1960 Winter Olympics. Okay. So, that really opens up the field for lots of newcomers to kind of rise up, the next generation. Because, yes, we're in the new, the beginning of a new four-year cycle until the next Olympics. And just to give you a little bit of background, because maybe you weren't a total nerd in middle school reading every book about Olympic ice skating that you could. I was I was not, but I am interested. Here you go. Uh, so the years 1948 to 1960 are considered kind of the golden age of American figure skating with lots of medals, lots of championships. Um, prior to the events of this story, the U.S. was a skating powerhouse winning the winning the men's gold medal at every olympics since 1948 wow and granted the olympics only happen every four years for the winter but still every single time uh they also won the ladies gold medal in 1956 and 1960 we're here at the u.s championships you got some notable names just to give you a rundown uh the ladies gold medalist is Laurens Owen, 16 years old. Whoa. Uh, the pair's gold medalists are the um, are Maribel Owen and Dudley Richards. Dudley. So, Sorry. You know. I'm sure he was lovely. But <laughs> sure. The fact that your name was actually Dudley. <laughs> 
Um, so Laurence and Maribel sisters. Um, so okay. Maribel is twenty. They are the daughter of uh, nine-time U.S. figure skating champion, three-time Olympian, and coach. Maribel Vincent Owen. Okay, so there was no possible way that they weren't going to be figure skaters. Pretty much, okay. yeah. Got they it. were a skating family, okay. for sure. And then, now it's time for some videos. So enjoy, <gasps> I'm so excited! Enjoy this two-second cut while Emma and I spend 15 minutes watching figure skating. Yay! You can watch with it. You, actually, I, I suggest maybe you pause and find these videos in our show notes, and then come back so that yes. we're all on the same page. Yeah, for sure. Alrighty. So I hope you enjoyed that. We had a nice time uh, taking in some vintage figure skating. Um, it was beautiful. It is. Also, a fun, just very sweet fact is that um, Maribel, the younger one, so not the mother, the daughter, uh, she was referred to as Little Maribel because... Oh. No, they're the, they have the same name. Um, but she and Dudley, the pair skaters, they were a couple off the ice as well. Oh, that's always nice. That's always kind of what you wish for because you're like, oh, you guys work so well together. You look so romantic. You guys look so nice. So much trust. All right. And actually, uh, he was apparently planning to propose on their next big trip, Aww. which brings us to the evening of Valentine's Day, 1961. The U.S. team and their coaches are photographed about to board Sabina Flight 548 from Idlewild Airport in New York City, mm. now JFK International. Oh, no. Emma's making a, I have now, a turtle. I have now guessed turtle. what's about to happen. Um, you're right. They will be traveling to Brussels en route to the World Championships in Prague. Great. That was definitely what you were going to say. Yeah. They would land at the Belgian International Airport. And next up, I'm going to show Emma a photo of the team taken right before they boarded the plane. Uh, you can view this on our Instagram, at this podcast doesn't exist. Uh, we'll have all the photos for the episode here. But it's just very sweet. You yeah. can tell they're a very young team. Very young. Like, like it, it's almost as if their clothes are not made for them. <laughs> They all look very tiny. Which, I mean, part of that, I was saying to Emma while we were watching the videos, is that athletes, uh, at least women, uh, yeah. that are very athletic can sometimes be smaller, especially in figure skating. But yes, they are a pretty young team because, as I mentioned, a lot of the previous Olympi Olympians and other skaters had retired at the end of the previous Olympic cycle. Alrighty, so... I'm going to tell you a little bit about the flight slash the plane of uh, flight 548. Uh, so Sabina is actually an acronym for a series of words that I'm not going to attempt to pronounce. <laughs> Wait, is it in like French, French? I okay. believe. Um, but basically like the Society of Air Exploration and Navigation. Oh, okay. Ish. Um, but all of those letters in French, ac uh, my brain wanted to turn acronym into a verb. Acronymized? Acronymized? Yeah. You have Acronymized. a master's in English. That's fine. And, um, yeah, I'm making up words here. <laughs> so Sabina was the national airline of Belgium. And it was based in Brussels, where they were um, flying to. And it operated from 1923 to 2001. Whoa. Oh, geez. Yeah. 
So they were around kind of from the beginning of air of commercial air travel. Better than Pan Am. True. And also, just the fact that it, it was around until 2001, I'm trying to recall back to my childhood because I was born and for the most part raised on military bases in Germany, so we would travel back to the States to visit family and just trying to remember the different... I feel like there different used planes. to be so many more airlines, right? Now it's kind of Pretty like Delta, American. Yeah, they, they go and they eat all the smaller... Yeah. And I get it. Capitalism. Okay. But it's just interesting to think about. Uh, the plane itself was a Boeing 707-329 Intercontinental, which was this specific plane was first uh, given over to Sabina, like tested and given to them, uh, commissioned in January of 1960. So okay, so it's not an old it's, plane. It's fairly yes, new. It's pretty much a year old. Um, this is an example. I'm showing Emma a photo of uh 707 329 intercontinental looks not like a, looks like a plane not the specific one yeah it's a 707 it's what we very usually, much what you yeah. what you're thinking of when you picture a commercial airplane um so the seven and a half hour flight across the atlantic was uneventful from new york to belgium easy peasy okay thank god no okay never mind Sorry, remember. It's all right. Remember when I just I, hate planes. Remember when I said this was a bummer. I know, and I know, I know you said it was a bummer, and I know that you said that there was the the, the plane portion is very important. I hate planes. I continue. know. Just continue. I, just... I did have the thought while I was doing research of this isn't going to help Emma's flying anxiety. <laughs> but also keep in mind this was 1961. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Like 50 right. plus years ago. Yeah. Right? That's how math works. Sure. <laughs> cool. So more than more than fifty. That's why I said fifty plus. Yeah. Okay. Neither of us uh, I'm just so we're anxious. Both, I'm we're not both listening. liberal arts majors, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, so leading up to their approach of the Zaventum airport, the crew, for unknown reasons, did not communicate with ground control for the last ten to fifteen minutes or ten to twenty minutes of the flight. No one's really sure why. Okay. So the first landing attempt was aborted at the last moment. Uh, the pilot instead retracted the landing gear and accelerated. So they, they went back in the air. And it's thought that they did this because there was a smaller aircraft on the um, runway that had not cleared yet. So clearly there wasn't any communication happening from ground control to the cockpit. So maybe they didn't know. Okay. Although, based on what I read, I got the impression that ground control was talking to them, but, but they, they were not talking. responding. Flashback to Flight 19, maybe a little, in that yeah. they weren't really responding. So then they attempted another landing on an adjoining runway, but that runway was not operational. So at this point, the plane circles the airport a total of three times, and its movements were described as bucking and banking. At an increasingly steep angle, uh, climbing to a height of 1,500 feet in the process. So bucking and banking, I'm guessing, is like the nose up versus nose down? I believe so, yes. At 10.05 a.m. local time, the plane goes completely vertical and plunges to the ground, exploding upon impact just under two miles from the airport. Ah! I'm so sorry. (laughs) I want to 
to scream into a pillow. You did not warn me. <laughs> I mean, we have pillows if you need to. This is a safe space. Even though you did, you did kind of turn my crying last week into clickbait. <laughs> Man, did it? Did it work? I don't know. Did you listen, Ralph? Did you? What are the? What What's are the, the stats? What are the stats? All right. Are you, are you, I'm good. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. Let me know if you need to scream. It's fine. So, unfortunately, the destruction of life was total. <laughs> All 61 passengers, 11 crew members um, were lost, in addition to one local man who was on the ground. Um, his name was Theo Delayet. Delayet? I don't know. But he was a young farmer and noted amateur cyclist. Aww. Which I just thought was very sweet. A, a, a um, fellow farmer. Yes. So he was out in the fields surrounding the airport. Um, and another local man was severely injured from the shrapnel, but he was so, okay. okay. I believe maybe he had to get his leg amputated, amputated but he did survive ultimately. Okay. So all three, of, all three members of the Owens family, uh, Laurence, Maribel, and their mother were on board. As well as, I'm going to read off a long list of uh, figure U.S. figure skating royalty, essentially. Uh, you have Bradley Long, the 1961 U.S. men's champion. Road Lee Michelson, U.S. bronze medalist. Diane Sherbloom and Larry Pierce, the 1961 U.S. ice dancing champions. U.S. men's silver medalist Gregory Kelly. U.S. Ladies Silver Medalist Stephanie Steffi Westerfeld, U.S. Ladies Bronze Medalist Road Lee Michelson, and coaches Edie Sheldon and Daniel Ryan. Obviously, that list is not complete. There were 61 passengers aboard, um, including the entirety of Team USA, coaches, family members, skating officials um, they were all traveling to the world championship from the wreckage officials recovered team usa jackets Aww. and even a copy of sports illustrated with laurence owens on the cover oh so this issue of sports illustrated came out february 13th two days prior to the crash and at the age of 16 she was named america's most exciting girl skater and then I'm going to show Emma uh, the photo, of, also available on our Instagram. So here's the oh, issue. She's so cute. She's so sweet. She's out on the ice. She's obviously she having a great time. Carefree. And then this photo, I'm just... No. It's a photo of that magazine in the wreckage that they were able to find. Um it's just so poignant. And again, when I was doing my research, I just, I guess retrospect, you can always find details that make something feel, uh, you know, faded or, or bittersweet. But just the fact that this, this year, literally two weeks beforehand, was the first time that the U.S. championships were filmed. Yeah. So that we do have footage of these young skaters. We know we know how they skated, how good they were. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. it's eerie almost. A little. So now we're going to kind of talk about the investigation into the crash. 
So obviously the Belgian government wanted to know what was going on. <laughs> yeah, um, a, a plane from the U.S. has just crashed into our runway. Yes. What well, happened? Well, it was originating from the U.S. It is the yes, yes. official airline exactly. of Belgium. But. Um, so they immediately ordered a full inquiry into the cause of the accident, and they included the FAA, so the United States Federal Aviation Administration, as well as the ICAO, the International Civil Aviation Organization, and as is often the case on this podcast, the results were not super definitive and therefore <laughs> very upsetting. Um, I mean, I wasn't expecting an answer because of the nature of our... Yeah, yeah. it's our brand. Oh, oh, great. Unsolved. It's our brand. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. That's what the merchant says. Um, so the evidence was not conclusive enough to offer a definitive 100% um, reason for the crash. The most likely explanation was a mechanical failure of one of the flight control mechanisms, probably a malfunction of either the wing spoilers or the tail stabilizers. Okay. I clearly know nothing about flight, but that makes sense I to me. I guess, yeah. If the plane was not rocking side to side, but rather front, front to back, back. Uh, that maybe the tail spoilers uh, the tail stabilizers might have something to do with that. Yeah, that, um, makes, that, that makes some sense to me. Yes, and that is the the opinion of the FAA I'm at the conclusion that. of yeah. their um, investigation. Reportedly, mm. the FBI possibly was investigating the possibility of terrorism. Oh. However. There are no documents or reports available on the FBI's website related to this crash, which you would think, because it's so old, that it would have that been even if it classified. Had, yeah, by this even point? if it had been classified at one point, by this point you some would kind think, of Cold War thing, or even just a little paragraph of like this happened, and people claim the FBI investigated. We didn't. Yeah, or whatever. So this next part <laughs> comes from. The comments of one of the YouTube videos that's oh, in the show no. notes. So please take it with several grains of salt. Got it. Um, so a little, a little more than a pinch. Yes. A little smaller than a, a handful. A hefty pinch. Um, okay. So I'm just going to read what this, this person said. Which they are very articulate, which I feel like lends more credence to them than some of your troll YouTube commenters. But okay. Okay. Uh, they said, one book even suggests that there was or were terrorists aboard, terrorist, terrorists, plural, maybe not, aboard the plane from the former Belgian Congo, and that it was kept from the public, but the pilot was found to have a bullet in his head and a gun was found on the jet, and this would have been the very first aerial terror terrorist act, but it's been kept hush-hush. I... In full disclosure, did most of my research yesterday and this morning, so I didn't have time to read a whole book. What but was perhaps, the book? Uh, they did not say. They just oh. said one book. Oh, well. <laughs> but perhaps there's more detail information. I just felt I wanted to include it because that's slightly more related to our central theme as a podcast. <laughs> slightly some conspiracy uh, in addition to unsolved tragedy. But it, it's just it, very interesting. So maybe if you... If you work at the FBI and you're allowed to say anything, please let us know. Um, also, hello, FBI agent listening through my phone. Hey. Nothing but respect. Carl. 
Carl. I just gave him a name. <laughs> there you go. Um, alrighty. So then we're going to talk about kind of the immediate aftermath of the crash. Uh, so actually this was the first fatal accident involving a Boeing 707 in regular passenger service. Oh. So in addition to figure skating history, this is also significant in, uh, yeah, Airline aerial history. history. <laughs> uh, and it happened just 28 months after the 707 airliner was placed into commercial use. Um, so, you know, the Boeing 707 had only been around for two-ish years. This specific plane had only been in use for about a year. Interesting. Uh, and it, to this day, it remains the deadliest plane crash ever to occur on Belgian soil. Oh. Which, when I started reading that fact, I was like, uh, what about 9-11? Oh, on Belgian, Belgian soil. soil. Got there it. We go. Specification. <laughs> Alrighty, so... Um, in the immediate aftermath, the king of the Belgians, uh, as well. Sorry. <laughs> yes, that's how, that's how he's referred to. Not the king of Belgium, but the king of the Belgians. Which I think is nice. It puts the emphasis on the people, the Belgians, yeah, as opposed to the it, country. I just find it so delightful that his title is king of the Belgians. Yes. Because it sounds like a fairy tale character. Truly. Well, get ready. Oh, is he more fairy? Okay. Here's my best attempt at pronouncing his name. Mm-hmm. I watched several um, archived clips. Uh, the AP archive on YouTube is great. They have a bunch of the old newsreels that Ooh. would have played before the, the movies, I guess. Butchwin. 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 <laughs> I don't know. Um... <laughs> It looks like Bodwin, but it's like Bud Budwin, Budwin okay. the first king of the Belgians. Budwin the first king of the Belgians. Stop it! I love it. You're gonna offend all of our Belgians. <laughs> I am sorry. Your language. I will say, on a trip to Denmark, a long time ago, um, my friend and I were walking down the uh, like lane that our Airbnb was on, and we passed this store. That was called Hurdy Gurdy. Hurdy Gurdy. <laughs> and I, I kind of, maybe it means something to that, like it's like a knickknack or something. Mm-hmm. But in my brain, I went, so are you making fun of yourselves or the Swedish? Because <laughs> is it the Swedish chef? Like, that's the only way that I know Hurdy Gurdy. <laughs> but I, it made me laugh. It was so good. So I feel like there's some, you know, apparent humor in, at least in modern days of, uh, you know, the way that certain things are said, even here in the U.S., of, like, certain names or certain places, uh, all of that. It just makes me laugh. Like, we call it gas and not petrol. Yeah. <laughs> I Detour. Yeah. Feel free to cut it out if we're running That's long right. on time. Uh, but there was a TikTok where this guy was like, uh, when you have people over from the oh, States and that. from the yes. UK, it's like, we have some fries, chips. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Let me go in the elevator. Lift. <laughs> like, double speak. Yeah. Very clever. Very cute. Anyway. The king of the Belgians <laughs> provides wood coffins with the royal seal to Aww. transport the remains of the victims. It home. got better. He sounds nice. Yes. Um, and then, although a statement was initially uh, issued that the world championships would proceed as planned... 
A vote was then held amongst the participating parties who overwhelmingly opted to cancel the event out of respect for the loss of the U.S. team. Yeah. Uh, so no world championships were held that year, but Prague was offered the opportunity to host them in the 1962. That's yes. nice. Uh, so at this point... Freshly minted president, JFK, uh, mm. issues a statement of condolence from the White House uh, on behalf of himself and Jackie Kennedy. Uh, and the loss of the pair skater Dudley Richards was particularly impactful because he was a personal friend of JFK and oh, his did... brother. Oh. Yeah, so. That's so sad. Yeah. I mean, it's all very sad, but to have that kind of connection makes it so much worse. Yes. They had so much... Tra- we'll get we'll get to the Kennedys at some point. Yes. But they had so much tragedy. So. Yes. 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 Uh, so this disaster prompted the U.S. figure skating executives to issue a mandate that still applies today, which is that no team traveling to international competition can ever be allowed to fly all together again. Uh, oh, because I mean, it sounds we'll get into the yeah. reasons why in a, in a, a few minutes okay um within a week of the crash u.s skating officials established a memorial fund to honor the team mm-hmm. uh, and since its inception over 15 million dollars have been raised and this money goes to support upcoming skaters That's uh, because it's a very expensive hobby i can imagine sport. when it becomes a sport and not a hobby, not a hobby. it becomes very, very expensive, expensive. Yeah. and I don't have the source in front of me, forgive me, but one of the sources mentioned that out of everyone that was on the plane, there were a couple exceptions and that one um, one coach wasn't able to afford the cost mm-hmm. to travel, so they chose to not be on this trip, so obviously they survived. Uh, and then the, I want to say silver, the men's silver medalist from the event two weeks previous got sick. So he finished his program, like, visibly ill, so he wasn't able to attend. So the fourth place uh, from the U.S. champion was on this trip and was lost. And that skater that got sick uh, reportedly sent a letter to that skater's apologizing for being alive which it is oh that just... breaks my heart yeah that kind of survivors i i pray that neither of us ever have to experience that because i can't imagine the pain of that and i'm sure especially soldiers or anyone who's in that kind of situation of like i feel responsible for these mm-hmm. people um or it's it, it should have been me i Oh, that feeling. It's not your fault. No. And it's just, I, I find it very interesting that we, we as, as human beings, we crave stories, but not always happy stories. Mm-hmm. Beca- because we take the time to note these things throughout history. Like yeah. we, we take note of, of people who had a weird feeling or got sick the morning of 9-11 and didn't get on a plane. That I was recently reading about the Titanic and who was it? J.P. Morgan had like the the millionaire suite booked. Yeah. But then chose not to. And otherwise he would have gone down too. Like it's just interesting that we take note of these things that we not that we enjoy feeling pain, but I don't know. Anyway, the Memorial Fund really amazing has benefited many skaters that 
you that became household names later on. I'll talk about some of them in a little bit. Um, at the time, immediately following the crash, the then vice president of U.S. figure skating predicted that it would require two to four years for the U.S. to recover its international standing in the sport. Yeah. Because remember, from 1948 to 1960, Americans were very much a stronghold in the field. So now we're going to move into kind of the impact and the legacy of the crash. Uh, so one skater described the enduring tragedy of the of the crash in an article from 2011, saying that not only had they had they lost a generation of existing coaches, yeah, but the next one as well. So all of these young of these skaters young hopefully would have grown up to be champions and then become coaches. So in this, they described it as a pyramid. Of, like, up top, you have your superstars, and then as you work your way down, you have younger skaters and coaches, and it all kind of cycles up and through. But you wipe out two levels so quickly. Um, And this loss of coaches also creates a void in that there's not as many prominent coaches left, which leads to international coaches coming over to the States to train skaters. Yeah. So... Uh, William Kipp was a coach for the U.S. team, and he was lost in the crash. Uh, but he was replaced by British uh, former world champions pair skater John Nix in the fall of 1961, so that same year. Uh, and Kipp was the coach of future Olympians Peggy Fleming, who was only 12 at the time of the crash, so Baby. she lost her coach. Um, Wait, so she wasn't on the... No, oh, okay. she wasn't. Sorry. She was still too young. Okay. She was yeah. she was like a not amateur but like junior level. I'm guessing Lorenz was probably the youngest at like 16. Y- of the skaters. Of the there sk- were yeah, yeah, some yeah, yeah, yeah. family members aboard yeah. as well. Okay. Um but Peggy Fleming, future Olympian, uh, as well as Sasha Cohen, who Oh, see you do recognize I do her recognize name. I was okay, so I was saying to Shannon earlier that of uh, of the figure skaters that I know because I was, I would watch it for like the Winter Olympics, but it wasn't something that I would like follow. So I wouldn't really recognize anyone's name. So the only ones that I know are like Dorothy Hamill, Tanya Harding, and Michelle Kwan. <laughs> which so now, which I'm gonna out Emma. <laughs> she couldn't remember Michelle Kwan's name, American Sweetheart. She only recalled that she voiced a character in Mulan 2. <laughs> Because it was a big deal. Because the cartoon character that she's voicing is also like skating around behind the counter, being like, "What about this or this or this?" And they made it a big deal that Michelle Kwan. Which you want to talk about animated movies and emotional devastation? Call me sometime about Mulan Two. Oh, I love Mulan Two. Woo! All right, we can talk off air about it. Yeah, and how amazing <laughs> Mingna Wen is. Queen. Yes. Serious queen. <laughs> the end. Um, but yeah, so um, uh, John Nix was the, became the coach for Peggy Fleming and then later on in more recent years, Sasha Cohen, okay. um, both Olympic medalists. Yes. Uh, Italian world bronze medalist Carlo Fassi was another international coach who came over to the U.S. to help rebuild the U.S. figure skating program. Uh, one of Maribel Vincent Owens' students, uh, so the mother of these of these two skaters, nine-time U.S. champion, 
uh, one of her students, Frank Carroll, had kind of retired from competition and she actually wanted him to go to law school. She got oh. very upset when she when she found out that he he had taken a one year contract with the Ice Capades. Oh. She was like, "No, go to school, use your brain." Oh. But so um, he got into law school, I believe, if I'm recalling correctly. But he never ended up going because several months later, uh, Maribel his coach and her daughters and the whole team was lost. So he actually did an about face and started coaching. He went on to coach Olympians such as Michelle Kwan and Evan Lysacek, who I remember distinctly being in, I want to say high school, maybe it was like late middle school, but watching Evan Lysacek on the winter Olympics and just heart eyes emoji forever. Cause I, I adore all kinds of, all variations of figure skating, ice dancing, but there's something about men's single skating that is so like powerful, but elegant, and it's just great. So that's cool. Uh, but the estimation that it would take two to four years to rebuild was actually proved to be pretty accurate. Um, so rolling back a year in the 1960 Olympics, Team USA took home two out of the three ladies medals as well as the men's gold so they did very well for themselves in 1964 there were no medals because i mean you know they were they were essentially starting from the ground up um and then in 1966 17 year old peggy fleming at this point she takes the gold at the world figure skating championships as well as a gold medal at the 1968 Olympics. Ooh. Uh, but it wasn't until 1984 that Scott Hamilton takes home the men's gold medal. That took a while. Indeed. Yes. And I did not write down his age, but I want to be- I want to say he was 12. What? Yeah. He was um, which is wild to me that children can be Olympians. Seriously, it's like <laughs> what am I doing with my life? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you remember when it was like the the core four of like the gymnasts yes. during uh, uh, another the another only great... sport I care about. <laughs> exactly. Though that it, like it was that whole thing of like, Gabby is so perfect and she can do anything like you're watching these girls just do these perfect jumps and they're perfectly athletic and then you're like they're younger than me they have algebra homework (laughs) yeah they they are accomplishing these amazing feats but also doing school and meanwhile i'm just griping about being in grad school and being like i don't want to read that book i don't want to do my homework (laughs) yeah you're not at a skating rink or in a gym at five in the morning exactly I was never uh, the amount of discipline is respectable. Seriously, to the utmost degree. Seriously. Alrighty. So, um, immediately following the crash, some previously retired skaters felt compelled to come out of retirement to kind of fill this void of there were no skaters or that they were very young. Yeah. Um. So Barbara Rolls Williams, uh, she won the bronze medal in the 1960 Olympics and then retired to start her family. And she believes that the only reason that she was not on this flight is that she chose to to retire. And 
she was pregnant at the time of the crash. She um, believes that's the only reason she... Otherwise, she would have been on that plane. Yeah. Uh, and she... There's a quote that she says in one of these articles that she she feels that she was saved for a reason and that compelled her to come back and push hard. Uh, and she actually came back and won the 1962 U.S. Figure Skating Championships less than a year after giving birth. Jeez, okay. I, I have never given birth. I'm very scared of the prospect. Just, you know, a parasite inside of me that comes out of me. Not, <laughs> not great, but... The hi, fact- future children. Hi, Ralph. Sorry. <laughs> um, but the fact that, like, the, the stuff that your body has to go through in order to both produce and birth a child, and then you get back on the ice and you do those, like, splits and kicks and... Well, and also, if you figure Winter Olympics end in 1960, which I always think of winter starting in December, but the Olympics are usually held in, like, January, February, right? I think so. Yeah, so think about it. You probably, you're retiring. You're going to stop going to the rink at 5 in the morning, probably. So a year has passed between retirement and the time of the crash. Yeah. So you're out of shape, quote Quote unquote, unquote. for an Olympian. And then you have a baby. And then you have to get back and... But I, but also, just imagine the amount of pressure. You have the entire... I mean, maybe not the entire country, but all of the country and the world that cares about U.S. figure skating is is questioning what's next, who is going yeah. to step up, you know, what what is going to happen. So I just think that's very... It's incredible. That's remarkable. Bodies are amazing. Truly. But yeah, so just kind of reflecting back on the last several minutes of facts and figures. Yeah. Um, <laughs> figures. It, it, hey... It now makes more sense when you take all that in why an entire team is not allowed to travel together anymore. Yeah. Because if you think about it, I mean, it would have still been horribly tragic. But imagine half the team is on a different flight. Plane, yeah. You have some coaches. You have some skaters. And one of these articles, um, I believe it was one of, uh, like, a contemporary news paper article, so it came out in February of 1961, was talking about how um, a bunch of Canadian skaters, when they landed in Prague and they heard the news, they just broke down because some of them had been planning to travel with their friends on the U.S. team. So again, that survivor's guilt, that idea that what if, you know. Yeah, it could have been me. It should have been me. Wild. Um, So I just think that's interesting. And it's just one of those horrible things that now, I feel like if someone explained to me, if I didn't know any of this story, but if someone was like, oh yeah, the entire women's gymnastics team, it's, I mean, it's the idea that, um, theoretically, Prince William and Kate and their kids, they're not supposed to travel on the same plane because William's kids are the next in line, right? Yeah. They kind of break those rules, I think. But that makes sense when you're like, oh, right. I mean, it's kind of morbid to think about, but you're planning ahead. Yeah. If someone explained that to me about a current team, I was like, oh, that makes sense. But it's one of those things that it's like you read a professor's syllabus and there's very, something very specific, a rule. (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, what happened to make you put this in writing? And like, this is the event that made them put it in writing. But we're going, we're uplifting, we're, we're, we're rising up. Um, <laughs> I didn't even mean to do this, but in 2011, a documentary called Rise. 
<laughs> rising about, up. about the crash, uh, was given a limited theatrical release, and all the proceeds benefited the Memorial Fund. Um, and some notable recipients from the fund include Peggy Fleming, the first woman to win a gold since the crash. Uh, Michelle Kwan, Adam Rippon, more recent. Um, I do know that name. Olympian. There you go. So they all just talk about how it wouldn't be possible without this money. So that's really amazing. Uh, in January of 2011, the 1961 U.S. figure skating team was inducted into the U.S. Skating Hall of Fame in a special ceremony at the 2011 U.S. Figure Skating Championships in Aww. Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, all 18 members were inducted, as well as the six professional coaches that accompanied, accompanied them on the flight. Their memory lives on. Truly, if you're interested at all in figure skating, the, uh, the lineage of all of this is, tr- I guess I imagined it was a broader community, but truly the lines that can be traced from Directly. your modern day champions up through, you know, they got coached by so-and-so who was coached by so-and-so. And it it's all very connected, which makes it all the more kind of sad Yeah, that this community just lost. It lost two generations. Everything. Just wiped out. Yes. But yeah, that's, that's the conclusion of my story. <laughs> um, like I said, kind of a bummer. So we're going to... We're gonna end on an on an uplifting note, okay? In that she's got she's got a box. I do have a box. <laughs> Are there gifts to open? Look, look what's here. Oh, this podcast doesn't exist. From Santa, a yeah. gift from Santa. He time traveled because it's oh. Christmas when you, this is released. So I love this idea. Well, you, I will say, Shannon opened one of the gifts that I gave her <laughs> for it's Christmas true. today. Um, they are fuzzy llama slippers. <laughs> oh, is this the book that I told you to get me for Christmas? So, yes. Friends, it is the Cursed Objects book. Yes. Oh, I am so, so excited. You've listened to our uh, our Vine Ring episode, and yes, that's what I will be referring it to it as, because Latin is hard, and I don't want to be reminded <laughs> that I'm bad at it. The um, Ring of Sylvanius or yes. Sylvanius. Uh, so I just thought it would be a nice little resource for oh, us to dude. have for the podcast. Is the Dybbuk box in here? No, but Zach Bagan's Haunted Museum is. Uh-oh. Well, stay tuned. Um, and yeah, so Merry Christmas. Thank you. I'm uh, so excited, <laughs> friends. There's just, there's so much more to, there's so much more to do. So many more cursed things to oh, make me cry. It says on page 76, how to curse an object. So maybe we have an episode. Watch out. What's up? I am so excited. Oh, this is very fun. Sorry, I got you a, a book. But you can keep That's me here fine. if you want. It, it, no, in the I, studio. Yes, we, we should actually have a... We'll have just a, develop a library. A little library. I am very... Thank you very much. You're welcome. I am very excited. And in the new year, we'll have some some new fun things to do. Spooky. I'm so excited. Yes. Well... Uh, like I said, that's the end. Merry Christmas. <laughs> that's um, the end. 
I don't know. You think we'd be better at wrapping this We're up? We're really bad at it. But Merry Christmas. Merry Happy Christmas. Holidays. Love all your families. Uh, maybe don't get on a plane right now because yeah, of COVID. But, but also um, the potential for it. Was it, 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 it like terrorism? Bad like equipment? We The unsolvedness of it really makes me angry. Yeah. I, it's, we'll which is it, why we do this. Add it to the list of things that I want to know in the afterlife. <laughs> I'm going to find an angel. The minute, the minute I An angel there. at the desk. Well, the, fir- the first thing is probably going to be, like, hugging all of my pets. Oh, yes. And, like, family Absolutely. members. But then I'm going to go find an angel at a desk and be like, I have a list. Yeah. And, and <laughs> Here are all we my don't questions. Need, we don't need to sleep. Uh, so, hope you got some time yeah. on your hands. Who killed JonBenet Ramsey? Uh, what happened to the uh, to this flight with all of these wonderful, beautiful children yes, on it? What happened to Flight 19? Seriously, all of these. Where's... You're just going to go through our episode list and be like, like, hi. So, you've listened, right? Yeah. You subscribe. You know. Do we yeah. have the approval? Yeah. Of the angels. Did you like, listen, and subscribe to us on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts? I hope so. Do you want to be like an angel? Do you? And like, rate, and review, and yeah. share. Share it to your friends that you know might like us. Share it to friends who might not like us, and you want to bother them. You keep saying that. I love the idea of haunting people in that way. All right. When you frame it like that, it's okay. When we frame it as haunting people when when they're alive. Yeah. But yeah. when <laughs> it just I want to haunt people while I'm alive and so I would like I would like people to share that possibility with other people. All right. You know. Oh, let me haunt your friends. How could we forget? What? We got to shout out Jordan. Oh, yes. Our wonderful friend Jordan, our I'm I'm only saying this because Ralph is technically our number one fan or number one hype man yeah really. very true all right so yeah he's he's number one fan but he also kind of gets a pass because he's connected yeah jordan you're our number one unconnected fan <laughs> um, our number one fan by choice yes fan by choice and not by blood or not even by whoa uh, <laughs> walk that back Whoop. fan by choice um, she finally got a bingo. And she didn't even need, because she got it on our Vine Ring episode. On a short episode. On a short episode, and didn't even need to use my little plugs at the end yeah, that cheating. were cheating. So she didn't even cheat, you guys. She won her bingo. So shout out to Miss Jordan. We love you very much. I hope that Texas is nice and cold for Christmas. And I hope it doesn't take you another 10 episodes to get bingo. <laughs> Yes. Yes, absolutely. We they're very thankful for you. But yeah, if you have any uh suggestions of what we should do for other episodes, if you have anything Christmas related you'd like to tell us, any ghost stories that you want me to li- to read to Shannon to make her cry. Rude. Um if you have any plane Rude. crash uh yes, related Have you ever survived a plane crash? What's the craziest thing that's happened to you on a plane? We just want to we want to hear know from things. you. I just want to know things. Also, we're we're both performers. We're open to feedback. So if you have feedback you'd like to share with us, please let us know. Yeah. Do we you, banter too much? If yeah, so, do you then not turn care us off. You don't care about our stories. <laughs> How rude. Dad, are you finally listening to this episode? I don't we'll know. See. But anyway, any of that, stories, feedback, 
praise and adoration, you can email us at thispodcastdoesn'texist at gmail.com. And we've already kind of plugged our Insta, but again, it is uh, this podcast doesn't exist on Instagram. We're fairly easy to find. And in that uh, bio in our Instagram, we have the link to our bingo card. So maybe you can be like Jordan and win at bingo, in which case we will give you a shout out of, you know, praise and adoration. Yes. Of thank you for listening and also winning. Um, and maybe in the future we'll have some way to reward you differently. Yeah. Who knows? If it becomes more of a competition, mm. there might be prizes, presents. Yes. But presents. anyways. <laughs> presents. We hope that Santa brought you all the presents that you were hoping <laughs> for this year. Santa, your mom. Who knows? We don't. We. Don't, I mean, if you're 14 still, Santa's existing. Check fine. back to Lies our previous episode. All right, Emma, I think it's time yeah, to wrap I think this up. Go. So remember, this podcast doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs>